And welcome, my friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you today. And we want to come back to the subject of shepherding on this edition. Friends, nothing more important in all of life than the the, the love that God has shown to us, the love that we show others, especially in the context of shepherding, shepherding our families and shepherding within the context of the church. And uh, this year we had a wonderful experience in our shepherd conference out here in the Eastern Plains of Colorado with Alexander Strauch, who is uh, a pastor and has been a pastor for many years and one of the most important resources for pastors and for shepherds, and especially with his book, Biblical eldership, we've used that so many, many years in our church. And several new books, Leading with Love, is very, very good. And also, The 15 Descriptions of Love, applied to all Christian leaders and teachers from 1 Corinthians 13. My wife and I are reading through that on a regular basis before we go to bed at night. We pray through these various descriptions of love. And then there's also a new book out called Acts 20, and this is The Fierce Wolves Are Coming, Guard the Flock, a study of Paul's final charge to the Ephesian elders from Acts chapter 20. Very, very important, very crucial, very core to shepherding. So we appreciate the work that our brother Alexander Strauch has done over the years to equip and to encourage pastors all around the world. And he is in our backyard, which is even better. So uh, he ministers in Littleton, Colorado. Alexander Strauch, it's good to have you back with me on the Generations broadcast, my friend. Yes, Kevin. And you know, I was thinking, Kevin, we go back a long way together. Uh, I said at least 20 years. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was probably 14 years old at the time. <laughs> oh, I think you might have been younger. <laughs> okay. But you were a... Um, Child prodigy, Kevin. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's good to have you here. And let's talk about shepherding. I want to cut right to it. The greatest of these is love. And, and that's what my wife and I keep coming back to. I'm not a very loving guy. I'm discovering this, but my wife has told me you're, you're, you're getting better. You think, you know, she's got a 20, she's got a 32 year perspective on me. She says, God's doing a work in your life. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful, but this this leading with love, wow, it's it's so crucial, isn't it? It's the very most important principle in leadership, really, for Christians. And but it's not just love; it's Christ-like love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Beatles sang that song, very popular song. All you need is love, but they never told us what it is. <laughs> what is this thing, love? It can be very abstract. Well, it's very concrete illustrated by the life of Christ. Think of him washing the disciples' feet before he uh, washed them by his blood on the cross. Mm -hmm. He tells us the self-sacrificing nature of love. But then in 1 Corinthians 15, we have 15 positive and negative descriptions of love. So the Bible doesn't just talk about love. It tells us what it is. Love is patient. It's long-suffering. It's kind. Oh, it's not jealous and petty and all that. So really, our Bibles tell us what love is. And our life goal in sanctification is to line up behind those qualities with our wife, our children, our church, and our shepherding. What, what does a group of loving leaders look like, Alex? As, as you come together in that committee of eldership, what does a, you know, a good eldership meeting look like where love is just pouring out? Well, you know, Kevin, that's a wonderful question because 
There's so much literature on love to, uh, excuse me, on leadership today. So yeah. much literature. Yeah. I've not seen anything about love in that literature. I think that there is a unique relationship among the elders, one with another, because of love. So they will be humble. Humility is a part of love. They will submit one to another. They will forgive one another because we do all hurt one another. We will seek to serve one another. So uh, we'll be patient with one another. Really, there's two great tools that God uses for our sanctification. The first one is our wife. <laughs> she knows us through and uh -huh, through. Uh -huh. And if we listen to our wife, she'll tell us the truth about who we are and what we need to do. Because men are inherently selfish, the exact opposite of love, which is selfless, self-giving, thinking of the other first, promoting the other first. And the second thing is our fellow elders. They expose our lamentable lack of love and um, how, mm. how empty we are on the great virtues of the Christian life. So that's what it would look like. Mm, that's good. Let's move into Acts 20, and I'm drawing from your book, Fierce Wolves Are Coming, Guard the Flock. Uh, first, Acts 20, I'm going to read 18 through 19. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia. This is Paul speaking serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Paul served with humility and tears. Now, tears, that's, that's odd. What is this? Tears. Well, what, what is it's that? really not odd. Okay. If you're dealing with people, you're going to deal with terrible situations. Uh -huh, so right. just the other day, a brother in our assembly was given three months to live. He's got a big brain tumor, mm -hmm. and he won't get much beyond that. That's tears. He's a lovely, lovely man. Mm -hmm. And then we see divorces among Christians, right. and we see mm -hmm. children run away, and we have mm -hmm. people who lose their job, and they lose their health. Oh, my, there's many, many tears in this world. And that's why in Revelation, that glorious day when he'll wipe away all tears, this is a world full of disease and sickness and death, many, many tears. But it's especially true of shepherds because we deal with these things. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably much of our life deals with uh, the, the sadness and the heartbreak and to help people navigate through these difficult times. I remember one time I dealt with this couple. He was such an angry man. He was brutal. Huh. And I remember one day I told him, I'm calling the police. You hit your wife again. And he grabbed me by the neck and threw me up against the wall and held me there. And uh, my friend was with me. My fellow elder was with me. And I, if we left, I said, why didn't you help me? He says, no reason for two of us getting hurt. <laughs> okay. Good friend. You, so, but anyway. So there's suffering involved. Uh, anyway, oh, anyway yeah. you look at it, you're going to suffer as a leader for following no, the, the Lord Jesus. Was, the point I was making, Kevin, is this man literally broke me down to tears after months and months of having him to my house, praying with him on my knees, helping him. He literally emotionally broke me down into tears. Mm. Wow. Uh, so you're going to ache. You're going to feel the pain in this uh, position as a leader in the church. It's going to be painful. Just like the Lord Jesus did. He wept. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. is, is, is the job of the elder, the leader in the church, one of 
of great affliction and suffering? Would you would you say that's a, a, a apropos description? Well, yes, because you're taking on other people's problems. I mean, we we all have enough problems in our own life, but we're taking on the problems of other people, mm. and they come to us for counsel and help. And uh, yes, it's great sacrifice, and that's why you, as verse twenty eight said, the Holy Spirit placed you as overseers to shepherd God's church. The Holy Spirit has to give you the motivation, the energy, the stick to to stay in this job. You cannot do this on your own with, without the Spirit's help. You will not last. That's right. That's right. I think I've done a research on the eldership that I've worked with over, you know, 35 years or so of ministry, and somewhere between 80 and 90 percent are no longer serving as elders and you're right uh this is a calling this is something where we fulfill our ministry we we go to the end only by the grace of god only by the work of the holy spirit uh, within us strengthening us moving us enabling us that's right well let's move on in acts chapter 20 again this being one of the most important passages relating to leadership within the church it affects the family as well but Paul summarizes his, his ministry in a very succinct way. This is one of my favorite passages where he says, You know yourselves how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jew and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that kind of summarizes the teaching, doesn't it? It's, it's repentance towards God and, and faith in Jesus. It's a both and. Yes, oh, definitely. Uh, this is a gospel-oriented man. And uh, the gospel, look at verse 24. For I, did not, I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only, notice two things, if only I may finish my course, a runner has to finish the race, and the ministry, that's the particular um, mission he was given, I received from the Lord Jesus. Now notice this to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In other words, his whole life was dedicated. It, it, his own personal life and reputation meant nothing to him in comparison, notice comparison, to finishing the course and the ministry he gave him, testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. A nice little summary statement of the gospel right there. Is, is there any sense in which some churches miss out on portions of the gospel? Is, is it possible to miss out on uh, the gospel itself, the gospel of grace, the gospel yeah. that requires you know, repentance, but also brings that forgiveness of sins, that remission of sins? Are there pieces of it that are sometimes missing in ministry? What, I mean, what, what do you I look think, out for? I think it's often. I think it's often People get hobby horses or they are lopsided in the gospel. That's why, to me, in training men, I always start them with Romans, particularly chapter 3, verse 21 to 421, where you have the, the most beautiful description of the, the wonderful message of God, of salvation. And we, we have to always come back to it because we get lopsided or we emphasize one thing, leave out another thing. So I think Romans is the great description of the full gospel message. 
and later in Romans, how it is implemented in really practical things in life. And one of the things is uh, love. Yeah. Okay. I, I did not hold anything back, but declared to you the whole counsel of God. Again, this ties into the previous question, but uh, we're responsible to be watchful, to be looking out for, to be equipping the saints to deal with the issues before them. Uh, what does that include? Well, first of all, the, the verse you read to me is a whole philosophy of education in the church. Notice he says, he says it twice, by the way, I did not shrink from declaring to you, uh, well, anything is profitable. But then he says here in verse 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And by the way, that's the reason he can leave with a clear conscience as the watchman on the wall. He had prepared them for his leaving. There was nothing left out on the message. There was, gonna not, there was not going to be any, oops, Paul forgot to tell me that. They are a well-educated group of people. Now, that should be our philosophy. We should have our people know the storyline of the Bible, Genesis 1, Revelation chapter 22. And if, if they don't know the storyline of the Bible, the development of the redemptive story, then we have failed. And uh, Paul says, no, I can leave. No one's blood is beyond my, my conscience because no one can say, Paul did not tell me. Paul did not inform us. Oh, no, no, no. I gave you everything that Christ gave me. So that's the kind of uh, pastors we want to be. All right, let's talk about the wolves. Got to look out for the wolves. Uh, they will come in, not sparing the flock. What do these wolves look like today, Alex? Well, I think the biggest wolf today is uh, what I call militant secularism. Uh -huh. uh, Kevin, years ago, the secularists left us alone. We're religious people. Leave them alone. No problem. Not anymore. We're in a different ballgame. We're in a game now where the militant, hostile, angry secularists are demanding us to stop our discrimination against certain gender issues, sexual issues, marital issues, family issues. We cannot hold these views anymore. It's discrimination and more and more laws will be passed to uh, make us uh, really our beliefs to be criminal beliefs. I've never seen anything like this. We're in a very hostile Western culture, unlike my parents lived through or my most of my years of life. Something different has really happened, and it's a secular tsunami running right over our churches and our young people, many of them who are raised on television and movies, and the internet and advertising, they're just going to be swept away. If we don't have churches that prepare our young people for the gospel and the truths of Christian living, they don't have it. They don't even have a chance. And certainly the attack on the sexual life of our young people is way more aggressive than anything I can remember from the 1960s oh. and 1970s. Not, not that the world didn't have its tentacles on us back in the 1960s. But, man, it's just no holds barred now. Oh, yes. They, the hostility against our beliefs, the Christian beliefs, the biblical beliefs. Now, remember, there's lots of Christians out there, but they're secular Christians. They've abandoned the gospel. And I was just talking to someone a little while ago, and I said, yes, uh, this was a funeral we went to the other day, and there was no gospel. Somewhere over the rainbow is sort of the songs they sing. 
And uh, I said, this is a secular Christianity. It's secularism with some nice, pretty Christian words like faith and love and uh, compassion, but it's not the Christ on the cross or the resurrected Christ who will come back in judgment. No, no, not that. So a lot of uh, Christianity in America has been secularized, and they're just as angry at us as the pure secularists are. As you look out for the flock, now you're, you're guarding the flock, okay? You're guarding the little ones, you're guarding the, the moms, the dads, the families, the young folks, the older folks. How, how do you remain alert? Because being alert, being watchful is essential. You've got to be listening. You've got to be watching. How does that work? Well, oh, well, uh, that's uh, clearly stated there in verse uh, 31. Be alert. Don't don't be asleep. Sleepy leaders and sleepy churches are going to wash away in the mm-hmm. tsunami. The way you're uh, alert is that every day you are feeding yourself on truth, on the Bible, which Second Timothy three sixteen and seven tells us. It equips, prepares the man of God to do the work that he needs to do. So I've got to be in the Bible regularly feeding, changing my mind. Then, myself, I, I have certain magazines, certain podcasts I listen to that keeps me informed. I, I watch the news very carefully. I read several news magazines a month, secular ones, because I have to know the changing landscape in which I'm living. And I know from what I'm learning from others um, and oh, and key books, key books that explain mm. these titanic yeah. oh, cultural shifts. Yeah. If I don't know them, I'll be naive and childlike and not be prepared to tell the people this is where our culture is going. And remember, the culture has a very big influence on us in school, at work, on the television. Most of our people are being educated by the television. Yeah, They spend way too many hours on it and give God very little time. Well, what do we expect them to be like? Mm. When I started out in the pastorship many, many years ago, a good pastor, uh, he, he was ministering up in Broomfield at the time. He told me, Kevin, you've got to know where every one of your sheep are on any given week you know, you need to be so connected with them. This isn't like visiting them once a year, you know, which was my mindset at the time. He said, no, no, you, you've got to be so interacting with your flock. So, you know, pretty much where they are on any given week. (laughs) That's a tall order. I'm not sure I've quite achieved that, but that's been the goal for me. Can you give us some practical ways in which to get to know the flock, to to, to know where they are? Well, this is why the Bible talks about a plurality of pastor elders. Okay. I'm not the only one doing this. I, it's not possible. Uh, so there are other brothers. So I know a number of churches, we used to do this, we don't do it anymore, where they break the congregation up into 10 families good. and it's elders good. over that. And he used to mm-hmm. know those families. It's good. Um, mm-hmm. And also have the deacons help you, there you go. in that. Mm-hmm. No one man can do this. You'll be, you'll, you'll be buried alive. 
And that's why our elders meet every week. We go over names. Uh, we uh, give reports to one another. Um, now, some of us can juggle 10 balls. Some can only juggle two or three. Oh, okay. I can juggle 10. <laughs> so I wind up totally voluntarily. I'm not asked to do this. Calling probably more people than others. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so I'm probably on the phone more than any of the other brothers. Again, they're not forcing me to do this. They're not saying you've got to make 50 phone calls a week. It's something just a normal part of my life, having people to our home, the normal it's part good. of our, mm-hmm. our life. Mm-hmm. And I ask a lot of questions. If mm-hmm. you're with me, you're going to think I'm with the FBI. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that that's a shepherd's heart. That's a shepherd's heart. And uh, friends, it's been Alexander Strauch with us on this edition today. And highly recommend Biblical Eldership, new book, Acts 20, Fierce Wolves Coming, Guard the Flock, and the little booklet, uh, 15 Descriptions of Love, Applied to All Christian Leaders, uh, something that uh, my wife and I are going through right now. And don't forget, Alexander Strzok joins us with the Shepherds Conference. We're, we're planning another one for next year, so keep that in mind. But uh, we so appreciate his uh, his wisdom, his his counsel. He's been at this for what is it now, Alex? Has it been 50 years you've been ministering in the church? Oh, yes. I've been at Littleton Bible Chapel 52 years. 52. Started out as one of the youth leaders of okay. the church. Okay. And um, been wow. there ever since, and I'm probably going to die there. <laughs> Amen. You'll die with your boots on, as we like to say. Um, just well, continuing to shepherd. I wouldn't want to die any other way, would you, Kevin? <laughs> You're not going to die. You're going to be dying in the saddle. I already know that. I'm with you there, brother. I'm with you there. I don't want to be dying in my socks. Uh, Yeah, we'll be dying in the saddle with the boots on. That's, uh, you know, just serving the Lord all the way to the end. That's right. the Holy Spirit, as Acts 20, 28 says, and by the way, Titus 1, 7, God's stewards. Notice, we're God's stewards. Uh, God has uh, placed us in his household, his house, to oversee it. That's so, mm-hmm. whether it's Acts or a first, a Titus, we're God placed people to do this job. And mm-hmm. when he does that, you have to do it. So, why do I, I'm so busy, why do I go to a nursing home to see someone who doesn't even know my name anymore and drools all over me? Why do I go and do that? I'm not being paid to do it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the Spirit of God has put mm-hmm. the love of God in our hearts to do these things, to mm. care for these people under our care. First Peter chapter 5, verse 3, those the Lord has allotted to us. So the Holy Spirit gives you the motivation and sometimes the kick to do these things. Mm. They're not natural. That's right. That's right. So good. We're ending exactly where we began, and that is the greatest of these is love. We've been loved, and now we yeah. love. We've been shepherded, right. and, and now we, we shepherd. Well, thank you so much, Brother Alex. Uh, Good to connect with you one more time on the Generations Broadcast. Uh, Kevin, it's been a delight to be with you. And you have been listening to the Generations Radio Broadcast. If you'd like to interact with the radio program, email me directly at host at kevinswanson.com. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.